Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who can never resist a good butt joint joke. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. What's happening, everybody? It's show number 553. And on today's show, we're talking about wood grain at the lumber yard, end grain cutting board finishes, and bandsaw speed. And we're also, this is going to be a surprise for Shannon, I'm staging an intervention. <laughs> And you're going to find out what that is in a few minutes, Shannon. So oh, fun. Is it about his goggles? Oh, it, there's something. You, get ready. Brace yourself. But before we get to that, <laughs> I want to let you know that Wood you're Talk scared. is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler's been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler's giving away a $250 gift card to one lucky Wood Talk listener. Enter for your chance to win before July 31st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. Oh, and hey, by the way. The winner of the February-March giveaway is Stephanie Tran from Arizona. What was it? So congratulations, Stephanie. Was it a gift card or was it a thing? It's a gift card. Was it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, they've been gift cards consistently, right? I don't remember. Yeah, she, I just thought it was sure like... Sure, she bought a thing. Was it a random stuff for a while? Nah, they did pick items for I a little bit, know. but I, we, we, we've been on gift cards for months. It all like kind of just bleh to me, you know? It just kind of blends yeah. together. I don't even know anymore. <laughs> You're so busy. You don't even know where you are right now. I I wish I didn't. I think Lindsay just walked you over here, sat you down, and said, here, go. You sit here and speak into this thing. Here's your salad. Eat, and then do a show. Get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a lot of shows we've done, Mark. And uh, Indeed. if anyone else wants to help support the show... <laughs> the, I'm not as good as your transitions. Right you know, I'm not, not quite there Oh, you'll yet. get there. You just keep practicing. I doubt I will. I don't. I'm gonna say no. It's not happening. <laughs> I have no faith in myself. Okay. If you want to help support okay. the show, you can absolutely do so by going to Patreon.com/slash/WoodTalk and signing up to become a patron of this here show. We'd like to thank Nick Barry and Steve Sparrow. All right. Thanks Back to, those to you, people. Mark. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Back to Mark for weather. <laughs> it's uh, sunny and 85 degrees outside. 
What's on the bench, okay. Mark? I'm going to I'm going to pick a bone with Shannon and I'm going to stage I'm going to try to stage an intervention here. You ready oh for this? So, I was driving back here to to do this recording and I'm just, you know, at a stoplight, decided to glance down at my Instagram and I see a post from the Renaissance woodworker. Let me read this post to our our wonderful audience. Ugh, which is great because he sounds like a 14-year-old girl already. <laughs> All right. You thug. So power tough on that. <laughs> Ugh. Power tools are messy and much slower and harder to use. <laughs> Funny how our paradigms shift over time. I feel like I could have prepped all of these panels much faster with a handsaw. In the picture, looks like you got maybe two pieces of ply um, ganged together. Uh, there's a track involved. I see some festool gear in the back and probably a track saw, I'm assuming. Uh, some clamps in a square. I think something happens with hand tool users that eventually they just go crazy because, <laughs> because I feel like you're kind of out of your mind for, for thinking that it would, like, if you legitimately think that it would be faster by hand, you've gone crazy. So, so what happened? Have you gone crazy? He's let's, got to let's go into the, the storeroom and get that saw out from like a thousand cobwebs. <laughs> I feel it's like sounds way it's harder. a lot of dust on it. Way if this much, is something way you don't normally time. do, like you got to go find the tools. Your setup time is going to be more. You haven't used them in a while. So you're like, where's the little plug it thing? Where's the power back attached? How do I work? My hand is you down. <laughs> <laughs> but I read this and I'm like, come on, Shannon. So let's talk a little more about this. Let's get into All right. this. All right, so I guess this is really what's on the bench because that's what's on the bench. Um, I found it really, see, and, and this is what I meant by by the paradigm shift. I'm so used to working by hand. Everything in how I would work has, has changed from mm -hmm. you know, how I lay out to sawing to a line, planing to a line, uh, maybe possibly sawing a bit away from my line and planing back to my line, all that stuff. But what I was just like frustrated with was like when, when you, especially with something like a festival track saw that does leave a really clean cut, right? Like mm -hmm. there's no reason to hit that with a hand plane afterwards. So like, you've got to get it like right on the line. Like I've got to line up that track exactly where I want that line to be. So of course the first rule in plywood, never trust the factory edge. So I got to take that first kind of you know, little slice off the edge to true sure. that up. Well, of course, I don't care how good your dust extractor is. It sucks on that cut because mm -hmm. you've got that one side exposed. Yeah. So that was my first, like my first experience with a power tool in quite some time. It's spewing dust all over the shop. <laughs> and, you know, there's already wildfire smoke everywhere right now. Like our yeah. air quality is already bad enough. Um, although we joke at the lumber yard this week, like we don't really notice it. Like, I think our, our air quality is just bad all the time here. We just don't really <laughs> yeah. pay any attention. But so that was my first impression. And that put me in a bad mood because now there was dust, like a cloud in my shop. And like, yeah. I had to check, like to take my little ear muff thingies off. Is the extractor actually kicking on? You know, it's that set to that, like turn the tool on the extractor kicks on type thing. No, the extractor's working, but there's dust everywhere. So I was, I was already in a bad mood. So then I like, okay. I take the saw off the track and I set it on top of the sustainer. And then I'm like undoing the clamps. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Like this time to undo the, the clamps and slide them out of the way. And then I've got to like move this really awkward fence with little clampy things hanging off the bottom and it's <laughs> bouncing into stuff. And yeah, I was trying to be quick and efficient by doubling up 
the two side panels of this carcass so yeah. that I could cut them and ensure they'd be all exactly the same. But then I'm thinking, well, I don't want it to shift. So I've got to put clamps on the boards to keep them from <laughs> shifting, you know, mm-hmm. the, the stack together. Sure. And then I'm like measuring off the, the edge using a big T-square. And then I've got to mark that edge. And then there's like all this like positioning the fence again to get it perfectly parallel and positioning the fence exactly and clamping the thing down. Like the amount of time it took to get ready just to make that second parallel edge cut. Like if I were working by hand, I would have laid out an edge. Actually, I would have probably trued the factory edge with a joiner plane and maybe two to three passes. Yeah, I would have then um, used a panel gauge off that edge to create the opposite parallel edge. I would have sawn it with a saw and then treat it with a joiner plane and been done. And I could have ganged them up very mm-hmm. easily. But all of this stuff and messing with cords and wheeling the dust extractor around to the other side of the bench, that took way too long. And I found myself, and, and this is what I mean by the paradigm shift, because I don't use that tool, my process and like that kind of like second nature type thing is not there. So I'm like setting the fence, I'm clamping it down and then I'm like double checking. Is it actually parallel? Is it on my line? Is it, is it exactly on my line or is it away from my line? And then I'm like double checking the clamps and making sure nothing moves. And it's like, this is ridiculous. Like I would have made the cut with a, with a handsaw already. Right. Right. So I found it to be incredibly slow. I created, um, uh, uh, six panels. So, uh, you know, the four sides of the carcass and then two vertical dividers, mm-hmm. I created six panels and it took me, I, I want to say about two hours to do that. Now, certainly mm-hmm. if you had something like a table saw, that would have been a hell of a lot faster, but sure. I don't have the room for that. Um, you know, I don't have in feed and out feed space for that type of thing. Moving panels around is certainly slow. That has nothing to do with power tools or not. But all of the the futzing to get things set up and keeping the panels ganged and not shifting around, I was, yeah. Like I am so used to <laughs> laying a line and cutting that line. Yeah. And like I take my tools to the work every single time. I'm able to adjust in mid saw cut. Like if I do start to wander off the line with a track saw, I can't do that. Like I can't even see my line. That's you, the other thing. You're not thing. going to wander. That's why. Well, Again, maybe if you do it a lot and you trust it, um, but like I do trust not, my tracks all not to not move. being able to see the line I'm cutting. I had no idea like how unnerving that would be. Like yeah. this is I all of my teaching in the hand tool school is if you can see the line, you can saw the line. All the woodworking is is working to a line. No matter what you talk about, dovetails, tenons, marquetry, whatever, it's all just working to a line. So obviously your line has to be good. You've got to lay out the line first, but if you can't see the line, oh my God, that really like, it it freaked me out and it caused me to like really slow down and double check everything. And uh, yeah, then there's also like the whole added thing of like, first I didn't set the depth on, on the saw. So mm-hmm. it like went to full plunge depth. So there's like, you know, two inches of blade <laughs> hanging out the bottom. And I'm like, all yeah. right, this is ridiculous. And of course that's spewing dust everywhere. So sure. yeah, I, I appreciate it. And, and actually when I, when you said intervention, I thought, how much you want to bet that's about that post. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm really surprised there's not more like, there's not more like engagement. I guess there's just a lot of people are like, dude, that guy's nuts. I'm not I'll go in there and start it with that monster. <laughs> I'll start some crap up with you. <laughs> so to me, and, and you know what? And, and this is this is an interesting conversation because it comes down to what you're used to. Oh, yeah. And when and 
and I've long said that going entirely hand tool is a very, very different style of working. It changes everything you do. And mm-hmm. precision and accuracy means something totally different. Flat means something totally different. Um, yeah. You know, and, and just taking the tool to the wood and all of that completely changes it. So when you've been doing it long enough, and it's now been more than 10 years since I like sold off my power tools. And I, I even here's a real fun can of worms. I even find myself sometimes hesitating to use my planer, like the one power tool in my shop, because Mm -hmm. once I get that like one flat side, like, well, then I've got to get the other side flat. And it's like, if I don't do that, I can often skip that step altogether. Like the level of flatness, once you up the level of flatness- with like your build strategies don't necessarily rely on perfect flatness anymore. Not at all. Not at all. It's an extra step a lot of times. So this was one of those things where like I'm going, now I'm going full power tool, at least in the, in the sizing of these panels. Mm -hmm. And it was so foreign and it was so (laughs) slow. (laughs) I think, and also volume, I think matters here, not just like being a creature of habit and familiarity, but volume, like I'm doing, uh, working on Nicole's closet right now, had to process 10 sheets of three quarter inch plywood. And we were able to, you know, break it all down and it was hours. I mean, it was a lot of labor. It sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you are familiar with the track saw, I don't clamp anything. There's very seldom do I feel I need to clamp a track. Those tracks really grip really well. Um, so I just have a, a single line. I throw it down, make sure it's square. Boom, go, 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 go. Um, so I think the volume also makes a huge difference. This is like, so you know, let, a let me ask you this situation. Okay. You, you have a single line, you throw the track down on the line and go, how do you put the line on the, on the panel? Uh, well, it depends on the situation, but if I'm just doing a single cut, I'm just measuring what, then I say one spot. That's if I have my little square there that mm-hmm. squares up my track. If not, it's just simply two lines. I just go on one end of the cut measure over with the tape measure then I go to the other side, measure over with the tape measure, and then I drop my guide right on there. And the, the joy of these guides is that they are usually perfect so that you want to, it's this thing, the normal thing we always talk about, you have your own preferences for where the blade cuts, but you know right. that anything outside that splinter guard is going to be cut. So you adjust it accordingly. And as long as you do it on both of those pencil marks, you're going dead straight. Yeah. So like, for example, you know, you, I started with four by eight sheets and I knew that I, for, for what I needed, I needed like, I think the height of the case is about 46 inches. So I was like, this would be so much easier if I just rip them in half. So I'm not dealing with four by eights. I've got, you know, four by four sheets. So that was the first thing I did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I have a, a T square, you know, a panel square. And I threw that down and marked the line and I like set the track in place. And of course I, I, I do remember having used the the track before without clamps. So you're right, yeah. especially on a panel with all that surface area. Um, but again, I clamped it in place and then I, I rent the track, the, the track saw through the cut and then I'm unclamping and moving around. I was like, this is stupid. I grabbed, cause I ended up <laughs> having to break tedious. down three panels. Yeah, I had when to break you, down when three you do panels. It, <clears throat> yeah, when you've got those clamps and you got one on each side, that right. does get tedious 100% yeah. there with it, which is right. what I do it. So the next two panels, <laughs> I threw them up on the bench and I've got a, I've got a saw bent outfeed support. Um, mm-hmm. So I threw them off the bench, used the T-scar, struck the line, used a hand saw, saw to the line, I was done. Like I eliminated all that medium step. So like the initial like breaking down into four by four sheets yeah. with the exception of one cut, that was done with a handsaw. And that was like, I'm in my, my happy place. Like, I'm like, I know what I'm doing here and I could <laughs> see the line and I, 
let's be real. I, one of my best skills is probably sawing. There's a lot of things I'm not good at, but I'm good at sawing. I split Mm -hmm. the line. I'm done. Like there was, and that wasn't meant to be a reference face or anything. So there was no reason to even hit it with a plane, but like all of those little, all the little steps of setting things up. Like I never do any of that. I don't have to do any of that. And that was the part that I found just like incredibly tedious and, and slow. So yeah, that's, that's always the trade-off. The setup is the thing that allows us to, I'm going to say blindly. I don't truly mean blindly, but when we, (laughs) when we trust the setup, we don't have to worry about the line. We already worried about it. Now we close our eyes, hit the trigger and go. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's the faith you have in the power tool setup, but you got to invest that time on the front end. And once you add volume, now it's something that you're really cooking because you're going to yeah. cut 10 of these things or 12 of these things. And that's where the power tools kind of seem to well, make the, the biggest difference. I, I would argue in that case, like, cause there's, there's hand tools and then there's, there's power tools and kind of in the middle, there's handheld power tools, which is yeah. where I was going. So yeah. like do, what I agree with you, if you're bashing stuff out, but I think using a track saw is a hell of a lot slower. Like if I had to break down 10 panels, I would not want to do it with a track saw. Like having well, to place that, whether you, you, you clamp get your, the fence your or track not. Saw accessories need a little square thing that automatically mm-hmm. squares the track to the workpiece. They need the parallel. That's actually guys. the comments I've gotten on Facebook. It's not that it's slow; it's just you don't have the right <laughs> <Yeah>. tool. <laughs> more accessories. People have had this problem before, and they've already solved this yeah. problem for you. No, I, See, now you got to no, pay the money. I would absolutely <laughs> like. I, I couldn't even fathom using a handsaw to break down that many sheets of plywood. Um, I would. It's not that this is a competitive thing because ultimately, who cares? <laughs> but it would be interesting. Well, we're going to make it competitive, <laughs> but we're going to make it competitive. It would be interesting to see because we each live in our own little microcosm, our own little mm-hmm. world. We have our relative things that are faster than other things, so we think this might be faster. I would truly be curious to see if you're breaking down plywood and you're good at what you do with the hand tools, and I'm pretty good at what I do with that saw. So I wonder how they would compare truly in a timed race. If you, you would know. have to do it in Shannon's shop to make it, <laughs> no, to, make it to make that, it realistic. That, Cause like you have that's the, same, the same obstacles, the <laughs> same amount of space to maneuver. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, well, we yeah, that's about- some of it, but like, I, like, it, it, I mean, as long as you were using a track saw, I mean, I, I hands down, if you, then that's the difference. Like if you set a fence on the table saw, you're done. Like yeah. there's no more setting. There's no lines. There's no putting right. lines down. None of that. But they have that what, for a track saw. You just don't, you just don't have it. Wrong accessory. Once again. Well, you have to have a line to work to. Like mm. I understand oh, if you've got, got, a, got, you can get a fence it's, for There's it. a parallel guide thing that you can connect to the fence that keeps you a fixed distance from an edge. So you just kind of plop so it down. So it's just like go. a fence on a table saw. I really What's don't think you should buy it. it. Um, but um, I don't know. I don't have one. I don't use them. So wait, is it clamping to the plywood? It, no, it's, it's basically spacing your guide, right? It's that's so it like, sets it's your like track kind exactly of, the same distance from the edge every single time. Yeah. Huh. So if you want to make repetitive rips. So just if you Google, I believe it's parallel guide for a track. Well, I guess, I guess that's the question. Like in this case where I was breaking, um, you know, four by eight sheets into four by four, does it have that kind of capacity? Nope. It should. Um, Interesting. Uh, let's see. Festival Rockler has one. You know, Rockler, our sponsor. Hey, uh, it says, guys. you know, who has great scale stuff for track size. <laughs> <laughs> Perfectly uh, parallel cuts up to 20. This one is 25 and a half inches wide. Hmm. Any length, of course, because okay. you're just cutting along the edge. So that, I think that's the Festival one. Interesting. 
All right. There's well, all kinds again, of stuff out there. I'm not going to, I'm not going to go buy accessories because like I had about seven years of dust <laughs> on my track saw. <laughs> like, it's not well, stop necessary. Cut, stop cutting that edge, man. All we're saying is just don't be so quick to judge. You just don't have the right tools. Look, this is the social media talking in absolutes that that sort of yes. thing that drives me crazy. That's, yes. that's, that's all that is. Every, everything is done for a purpose, including the use of the word UG. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> UG. I, I have, I have a colleague who has a 14 year old daughter and yeah. we're constantly joking about how every sentence starts with UG. So yes, that Ugg. was planned. Oh, I love it. I'm so that? glad that it, that it went off. Yeah. Good deal. Well, Hey, I respect it. And thank you for your answer. I still think you're crazy. And I will say if I can make people think, because there's still this like myth that hand tools are slow Yeah. in the right situation and the right, you know, the right user and understanding the the steps that are necessary and the steps that are completely superfluous. Mm-hmm. They're really quite fast. Oh, so, totally. yeah. Yeah. I would agree and with that. 100%. N- next at, at the next woodworking in America, Mark, you and I can do a, a, a plywood panel showdown <laughs> plywood cut off yeah <laughs> okay I say that, that it good. has to be woodworking in america though that yeah way, which happens. means this never happened <laughs> bring okay. it back good plan someone bring it's it so back smart. uh uh matt let's skip our what's on the bench this week because that's that i didn't expect that to take that long we'll put that on the next show <laughs> way to go um, and you you and me will catch up on that on the next show let's get <laughs> to our kickback today okay so i got one here from jay uh, Jay says, I think it was Mark in the last episode that asked if it was okay to mix natural wood built-ins with white crown molding. The previous owners of my house did just that. When we moved in, an interior decorator wanted to paint it white to match. We said, no way. We think it looks good. Screw him. Love the show. <laughs> and it's a fantastic picture. I mean, with Jay's permission, he sent this to us. I guess we might be able to put this in the show notes, Shannon, you think? Sure. Um, yeah, we can do, do that. It, just if you want to see an example of what that looks like, that does look great. Um, the built-in just kind of merges right with the, the white trim and it's good to go. I think it's good. Like to, when you think about these things, I was thinking as I'm watching Facebook, like when uh, reels come into Facebook and I don't know why, but I keep getting house stuff a lot of times, like some real estate agent or something is doing house tours, talking about what's in fashion and what's not. And it's really interesting how this stuff happens. Like how do these, uh, trends and fashions happen at some point, someone had to say, this is what's in right now. Even if it isn't, mm-hmm. someone had to say that to kind That's of what they do kickstart actually. that. And it's, Most and it's the- in there, like, especially if you are a designer, an interior designer, it's very much in your best interest to keep those trends moving. So you have a job to do and you, you have to come up with, you have to almost artificially make things that are perfectly fine and perfectly good. You have to make them out of style. So other people won't want them and you can move to the next thing. <laughs> like there, there are it, actually like huge companies like, like Sherwin Williams that in January, they say, these are the colors for 2023. Yeah. These are the top five colors for 2023. And you're like, says who? Like, was there a right. vote? Like, <laughs> that's, in, you know? that's infuriating. We've already <laughs> and the it. Oscar goes to like the Academy. Who's the Academy? Like, who are these yeah. people? It's somebody in Sherwin Williams that said, okay, let's push, you know, we're, we got an excess of barn red. We got to move yeah. the barn red. You so, use the and, red pigment. And in the same type of thing in certain <laughs> materials. And I've actually had to start tracking these things because of some, we're doing some colors and finishings uh, at the at the lumberyard, and it's like, what are the colors that are hot right now? Like, mm-hmm. what should we wrap our head around? Trendy and every colors. every damn year, 
Like you can Google it and go colors for 2010 and you will find yeah. somebody's website somewhere that shows what those colors are. And everyone pretty much falls into lockstep with that. And all the designers uh-huh. go after it. And you're right. It perpetuates, you know, keeps them in a job. Well, I mean, it's interesting because we're Nicole and I are talking about this and we're sort of at that age, I think, where your tastes may have locked in. You know what I mean? Like this can happen with music. It can happen with clothing. Like the point that you got so busy with life, you stopped caring about (laughs) what was cool Uh or trendy. Do you know what I mean? Uh Right. The reason why I wear T-shirts and, uh, you know, khaki shorts, um, that's because that's what I wore when I stopped giving a crap. (laughs) So I'm going to continue. But this happens with home trends. So we go, oh, we really like that kind of granite. But then you ask around and it's like, oh, that is so dated. You know, but that's how you end up with like, oh, grandmom's house, right? Like it's just (laughs) full of old stuff. And she loves it. She loves it. Mark's (laughs) house. But now that's, you know, that's Mark's house. So it's got us like you have to reevaluate it. And I'm sitting here going, yeah, but I like those things. Like those are the things that we like. And I'm trying to figure out. If I just sit here and watch HGTV, will that eventually make me hate the things that are in my house? Because mm-hmm. those are not trendy right now. And you just and that's where this stuff comes from. You have to keep pursuing it to be fed that this is not in this is not okay now. And right. eventually you might it might just absorb in and then you believe it. It's just weird. See, I think of um well, she, she doesn't listen to the show. So um, my mother-in-law had an interior designer come into the house and I can say this cause they're going to sell that house. Now this is their house in Maryland, not their one up in Maine. Okay. Um, and this, the interior designer came in and they like did a full overhaul of their downstairs, like knocked out walls, redid the kitchen, everything. And they went very like on trend at the time. And all I can mm-hmm. think of is, is Ferris Bueller talking about Cameron Fry's house. It's like, it's, it's very cold. <laughs> yeah. It's like a museum. You're not allowed to museum, touch anything. Yeah. Like none of the chairs in my mother-in-law's house are comfortable, but it looks yeah. beautiful. It like looks right out of like architectural digest, but it is mm-hmm. so uncomfortable. It's like, <laughs> and, and like no one lives here. It looks like a museum. You're not allowed to touch anything, yeah. but oh, it's on trend. <laughs> it's like, it. right. how nice. <laughs> it's interesting. Well, that's uh, it'll be interesting, interesting to see what Matt does. I'm watching him closely because I need to learn what's on trend. And I feel, I feel like you guys are younger. You're going to make good decisions with your house. Okay. So Thanks I'm watching for the pressure. For, <laughs> I'm watching you for inspiration. <laughs> I just realized in Jay's photograph, there is a human in the chair in the lower left. I thought that was like a blanket. Oh, it's I like thought a, it was a pile of blankets. That was like a, a pile child. of blankets. And I see, it looks like a kid going, Dad. I, I see a white power cord. So it's like somebody like. Yeah, so they got the phone. Over their There's phone. a foot there. <laughs> yeah, right? a foot with a sock That's on not a pile it. of blankets. <laughs> That's, That's a child. Quick, that is, duck, don't get that in the picture. Definitely, definitely an annoyed kid. <laughs> right. <laughs> sitting on that couch. Or. Uh, maybe a wife. Okay, that's great. I like how we. I'm uh, standing our our house to some guys on the internet to talk about. <laughs> okay, good stuff. Anyway, beautiful picture, Jay. Thank you for sharing that. Um, uh, Shannon, you want to get these other two things in here? Sure. Uh, Steve wrote in and said that the week of May 9th was National Nurses Nurses Week. So, um, unfortunately, we missed it. So I guess we I, I've offended Dang. the nurses without even you and your nurses. So, Once again, you um, didn't even recognize their work. It, it is it is June 9th as we record this, though. So, no, mm-hmm. I got nothing. So that means nothing. <clears throat> and then uh, another Shannon, Shannon B, actually suggests that there should be a trench foot sticker for those who make it through the entire catalog of Wood Talk. Um, but he said he would also take just a plain old Wood Talk sticker. So, <laughs> okay. trench foot. I guess that's 
I guess that's is a, it, what is that? It's a, it's a, I don't know that term. I, I think it's a disease, isn't it? Is it like a mil, mil, military term? <laughs> like if or you something? don't wash your trenches, socks, you know, you get trench foot. Trench foot. Like you've been walking in the muck. Yeah, do an image search of that, Mark. What it, okay. A tingling or inching sensation, pain, swelling, cold and blotchy skin, numbness, and a prickly or heavy feeling in the foot. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll buy that. That sounds right, like yeah. listening to our show. Yeah, certainly the Too first 100 the episodes. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay, well, you know who's not going to give you trench foot? Oh, gosh. Mm. <laughs> Probably not. No. Rockler. Hope not. They certainly won't. Uh, if you're short on, if you're short, I should have just left it there. <laughs> just if you're short, shop yeah. at Rockler. If you're short, go to Rockler. <laughs> okay, they have plenty of clearance. <laughs> if you're short on floor space, <laughs> but want all the features of a top of the line dust collector, Rockler's new 1250 CFM Cyclone Dust Collector is the perfect fit. Thanks to its wall-mounted design, it consumes a minimum area of floor space. HEPA filtration ensures that the air in your shop is clean, and the two-stage dust separation keeps the filter clean for longer and minimizes the need to empty the drum. Cleaning the filter is easily accomplished by rotating the top handle. Oh, I'm looking at Shannon. You're distracting me, man. I'm trying to read here. Just, <laughs> He's not, just a big along. distraction. <laughs> When the time comes to empty the drum, there you go, perfect. <laughs> simply raise or lower, God, simply raise the lower handle and roll the drum away on the casters. Uh, an included remote makes it easy to activate the collector from anywhere in your shop. Find a dust collector at rockler.com. We're going to put a link right there in the show notes. This is a beautiful dust collector. Uh, I, you know, my favorite feature, I don't have one of these on mine, is the little flippy thing. The little spinny flippy thing. You guys got your stickers? Where's mine? I don't have a sticker. Here, I got this. Quarks bar. How's that? That's all I got. Uh, so go to rockler.com. Check it out. Search for Dust uh, dust Right Wall Mount Hepacyclone. Or just click the link in our show notes. And that'll get you there. So this looks like a great unit. Uh, very easy to empty that uh, that bin, which is always a pain in the butt. Not anymore for me, because I make Jason do it. Nice. So, you have a Jason. I think it'd be kind of cool to put the drum on a Roomba and then <laughs> yeah? like, you know, unhook it and let the Roomba take it out. Which means it will go nowhere <laughs> and just bump into crap. <laughs> That's all they do. Just spill dust everywhere. Uh, Sounds good. Yeah. Just bumping into everything. Perfect. And then at least it'll pick up what it spills. So there's that. Nice. <laughs> okay. Well, let's get to some questions. Let's do some questions. This is from Hadas, I'm guessing. That's what I'm going to go with. He says, uh, I live in Australia. I could try that with an Australian accent, but I'm not going to. Um, I recently went to one of my local timber yard merchants that specializes in American timbers. They kindly trimmed the end of the board for me. And I told them, as I told them, I couldn't read the grain through the painted end. The guy asked me what I was looking for. I told him I was after riff sawn timber. Uh, and after some chatting about grain direction, he said that the most common cut timber comes in these days. It's plain sawn. Quarter no longer exists because it's wasteful and too expensive to produce. Rift is very rare. No one buys it or cuts it from logs because the average size uh, logs aren't big enough to warrant it. He says, any timber you buy, whether it's local Australian species or international, only comes as a plain sawn or flat sawn board. Um, and uh, we're supposed to choose what's appropriate for our projects. So um, what should I do differently in the future when selecting boards that will remain stable once ripped? So I wanted to address this from an industry perspective. He's not wrong. Um, flats on is, is a much, much easier, higher yield per log, um, much cheaper, much more economical. And honestly, there is not a market demand outside of possibly white oak, 
Um, and Sapili, maybe. Um, some of the softwoods, like you find like VG fir, uh, Alaskan yellow cedar, um, Western red, you may find some people looking for vertical grain. Vertical grain is also quarter sawn if you're not familiar with that term. Um, but for the most part, there is no market demand for quarter sawn cherry or, you know, riff sawn cherry or quarter sawn maple, um, or anything like that. It, it, if you use it, you're generally using it, you're, you're selecting it from the boards that you have. And the one thing that I always tell people is flats on, especially a nice like pattern grade flats on where that kind of cathedral pattern runs right up the middle of the board, flanking that cathedral pattern is your quartered and your rift material. You're always going to find that straight grain stuff on either side of it. So oftentimes you buy your flats on board and, and possibly if you can buy a wider board, you will get a fair bit of quartered and or rift on either side of it. The rift thing is even less available because there's a lot of contention on what exactly is rift. Like where are the where are the, the, the thresholds when it becomes corded, when it becomes rift. And that actually depends upon the species that you're using. Like some species like red oak will show medullary ray fleck like really quickly. Like as you move away from 45 degrees and rifts on the grain direction at 45 degrees, as you move to about 60, you'll start to see ray fleck on red oak, not quite as much on white oak and definitely not on, on a bunch of other species. So people will kind of quibble back and forth and the Samas are like, screw that. We're just going to saw flats on. Um, very few people are, are doing that anymore sawing specialty specialty materials unless there is a strong market demand for it and honestly the market demand isn't for quarter sawn anymore in white oak because people like we're talking about trends the rayfleck has gone out of style everybody wants rift they all want perfectly straight grain vertical grain material and they're defecting the quarter sawn to the point where quarter sawn white oak is now like 20 percent cheaper than rift sawn um and most people are overstocked on it because they can't move it so what do you do in the future? You, um, I think, first of all, I think a lot of people get really caught up in the stability of quarter sawn and think I absolutely must have quarter sawn because I can't afford this board to move. I would ask you to reassess that first. Like, does it have to be perfectly stable? Does it really have to be perfectly stable? And what kind of movement would you see if you had a perfectly flat sawn board? Like, would that really affect things? Um, second thing I would say is be very apparent, be very aware in your design of exactly what needs to be quartered. Certainly why, like, is it for stability? Is it for aesthetics? And then have that as like on your, your parts list or your shopping list. When you go to the lumber yard, I need to make sure that I get a piece that's six inches wide, by however long or whatever, that's going to show a vertical grain or a quarter sawn face. And then like the rest of it may not matter. The rest of it, you're just buying flats on boards, but you're looking for that one flats on board where you can at least get like a six inch piece or maybe two, three inch pieces that could be glued together. And that's the beauty of rift or quartered materials, that straight grain, you can glue it up into wider panels with invisible glue lines because you've got all straight mm -hmm. grain. So what you did was actually, you know, it was cool that they trimmed the end off so that you could see the, um, you know, through the paint a little bit. Um, I, when I go to a lumberyard, I shop, on ingrain alone. Like that's all I'm looking at. Cause you can obviously, you can see the width of the board. You can see the thickness of the board. Um, length generally is way longer than anything I need for building furniture. So I, I feel pretty certain that whatever I pull out of that rack is going to be fine. I'm looking entirely at the ingrain the whole time and trying to pick and choose. And you pretty much can tell what the face grain is going to look like by analyzing the ingrain. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he's talking about pretty small stuff here. I see in the email that he mentions Kumiko. So oh, yeah. here's the other thing he might be able to do and tell me if I'm wrong. Um, if he's got this flats on board, he can cut off the ends. We're talking about small pieces, right? So mm-hmm. he can cut off the ends, get a lot of stock out of that. The piece that's left over, any reason why he can't just cut that down and turn it 90 degrees and yeah. then also wind up having with, you know, rift or quarter sawn appearance on the face. Absolutely. Uh, Kumiko parts are so small, you know, four quarter board, he should be able to take that entire board just be with clever moving of the pieces and reorienting them. He should totally be able to get a ton of Kumiko stuff oriented the way that he needs it. Those pieces Absolutely. are so small. Yeah. I, um, I had a, a, a mirror that I was building and I needed to use, I needed really, really stable, uh, quartered walnut, but the pieces were only like one and a half inches wide. So I bought an eight quarter piece of walnut and I just, you know, sliced strips off like yeah. half inch thick strips off the walnut, rotate it 90 degrees. And I've got a perfectly, you know, rift or quartered looking piece of walnut. Yeah. Yeah. Good deal. Good okay. call. Uh, good call. Go to mine real quick. Uh, let's see. Uh, shoot. I hate when I forget the person's name. I, didn't, I don't have the person's name here. Anyway, question is, I know Mark already Joe. had a show about tongue oil. <laughs> is it Joe, you think? Just, uh, just being the ultimate Joe. finish for wooden utensils. And uh, there's a lot of information available for end grain cutting boards. However, how about long grain cutting boards? I misread this and I put it wrong in the title uh, at the beginning of the show. Okay. Uh, and on top of that, how about long grain cutting boards in the hands of family members? Is there any finish that will sustain unbridled abuse? Recently, I gifted a small board from a single piece of beach and finished it with a wax finish like I do in my own home. Lo and behold, what a nice potato chip it made when they left let it soak up water on one side for who knows how long. Well, I mean, here's the thing. Cutting boards are just that kind of thing. You put them in the hands of laymen who don't know any better and have no other instructions. <laughs> And they're going to do stupid things with it. Um, no finish you use that would be, you know, typically appropriate for a cutting board is really going to prevent that. I mean, even if you go, even if you go down the varnish path, which I think Matt is still a fan of, if you go down that path and let's say that thing is pretty much impervious <laughs> to water, uh, at least you think so. Well, you drop that on a puddle of water and leave it overnight, still going to get through there and you're still going to come down to a potato chip uh, when, it, when it comes down to it. So um, I do think this just comes down to the standard array of food safe finishes. I think it's uh, it's it's okay for you to do something like give them, I don't know, a lot of people don't necessarily like the tongue oil finish that I suggested for uh, cutting boards because it does dry harder and mineral oil never dries, right? So this uh, tongue oil version does dry harder, but I find it to be more durable. Well, the problem is, is the the person who owns the cutting board, are they going to be able to reapply that finish in the future? Eh, a lot of times, I mean, if you give them some. reapply any finish? Are they going to do anything? But the point yeah. is they don't have to. If they do the, let's call it the pedestrian thing, and they go out and buy some butcher block oil, even if you have pre-finished that thing with your finish of choice, they can still maintain it with those other mineral oil-based solutions. There's no reason they can't do that, or waxes. Um, so that's that's kind of the way I look at it. Give it to them in the best long-term condition possible so that it'll last and, and look good for a long time and then tell them how to maintain it with a regular product and it, it should go fairly well. But if they drop it in water, there's nothing you could do about that. It's going to happen no matter what. So do you guys uh, think any, anything different with regard to end grain versus long grain? Would you treat them differently? I, I, I always just use the same thing. It's just, you don't expect it to absorb as much if it's long right. grain. 
Yeah, I know. I'm with you. But I see no reason to change what you use. Cool. All right, Matt, you're up. Okay. What's this from? Their name's on the next page. This is from CK. CK. I've occasionally heard bandsaw speed mentioned in passing, but never an examples of when it is desired to reduce the speed, perhaps for cutting curves. So the only thing that I've ever heard of for actually reducing the speed on your bandsaw is for cutting like more dense materials. Like if you want to cut metals or other, I guess I was going to say steel, but steel's a metal. So things that aren't wood. I, I don't know if it would make any difference cutting curves to slow it down. I don't think it would really do anything for you. As far as wood goes, like one, like high speed is going to be the best anyway. But for example, like the, um, I think my shop bandsaw is like three and a half thousand feet per minute. My sawmill is four and a half thousand feet per minute. And my metal bandsaw is 130 feet per minute. So it's like hmm. very drastic difference in like, oh, it was a cat just kind of floating. Hello there, cat. <laughs> Sniffing. <laughs> Worst part is, is I looked away when I, when I was looking the screen, Mark was there. When I looked back. He was a cat. <laughs> was a cat. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Oh, that spell Sorry, worked. Go lay down. <laughs> Doing a show, buddy. <laughs> I think for for a wood cutting, you don't have to worry about changing your blade speed for anything. That's my mm. thought. Unless there's some yeah, weird application that I don't know of. Mm-hmm. Seems to me just changing the feed rate would be <laughs> like for yes. density density woods and like higher density woods. But I'm trying to think of like. Could I even change the speed of my bandsaw? Like my, my old Grizzly 14 inch, you know, my bandsaw when oh. I had one, I don't remember there being, maybe I'm wrong. Mine doesn't have a speed adjustment. Mine has a second so. no. pulley that you can swap it. You can swap to, which slows it down, oh. but. Oh yeah. Kind of like my old drill press where you had to like crack open the top and like, you know, move yeah, it this up. This one's a little, like in behind the band wheel on the bottom. So it's like, I, I don't know why I would want to even try that. Right. Yeah, yeah. To my detention my, and move the belt. My mini lathe has that set up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's what I have on my lathe too. Nice. Yeah, I don't see a need. I mean, for most woodworking applications, I don't know. I've never, I've never thought. Oh, I wish that would go slower. Right. That's that's just a bullet point in like the sales literature. Ooh, it has variable speed. It's like the, speed. it's like the variable speed on a, on a random orbit sander. Like, how many people yeah. actually use it? <laughs> right. Not me. All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today. Family owned since 1954, Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com and use the code WOODTALK, that's all one word, to receive free shipping on most orders over $49. And remember to head to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for your chance to win a $250 gift card. Woohoo! Too fitty. Too fitty. Well, I, I somehow imagine that the intervention at the beginning of the show may spawn some feedback, maybe even spawn some questions. So when you have those, send them to us, woodtalkshow at gmail.com, or just go fill out the contact form over at woodtalkshow.com because there is actually a website and like I put notes there and sometimes photos and fun things. And you can oh yeah. You can <laughs> click on a sometimes. little a little image to go to like enter the contest to win your two fitty. So yeah, you know, our, our poor Google Analytics, it, it looks at woodtalkshow.com and goes, hello, anybody? 
Anybody home? Come there. <laughs> Anybody there? So yeah, go check that out. But mostly send us some questions. We love your questions. And you know what? I want to throw out a big thanks to Margaret this week. She's been killing it on the social media front. Some really interesting posts. And she keeps like posting like community photos and things like that. It's really neat to see. Mm-hmm. It's actually, it's one of my favorite uh, Instagram uh, channels. Follows. Follows. <laughs> What do we call yeah. it? Accounts. Accounts. That's call- what it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's go. always a lot of stuff going in there. It's wonderful because I actually host the show, or co-host, excuse me, co-host the show and never know what's going to show up on our own Instagram. It's quite interesting. <laughs> it is actually, <laughs> it, that part of it is nice. It's always a pleasant surprise. I really like, like that. So, oh, that's fun. Oh, it's yeah. a fun show. I like that's listening fun. to. Posting These guys things. must be really funny. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, definitely. Margaret, Margaret's uh, handling of social media definitely makes us seem more funny than we actually are. So 100%. thank you for that. Yeah. And, uh, and of course, okay. while we're at it, thanks to Nick. Uh, he does some great video editing. And did you know that you can oh, watch this on, on YouTube? Gonna, no. Yeah, you just said he does video editing. So oh, sorry. Nick audio does editing. audio editing. Todd does video editing. I got ahead yeah. of myself. I was already moving <laughs> on to YouTube. Yep. I'm, I'm new at you this. You got to watch the videos, guys. <laughs> like, if you haven't had a chance to do this, go over to YouTube, find our channel, and subscribe. Um, I keep trying to tell Todd, stop doing so much work to these videos. It's not it's not that big of a deal. And he's like, I am a perfectionist, and I must create. And I'm creating. Oh and he creates these amazing, <laughs> these amazing renditions of our show in video form. And I really think it's worth uh, going there and checking it out. He does a great job with them. Yeah, I watched them just because stuff. I can't wait to find out what he's going to do. Yeah, it's definitely the way to watch it. So, uh, oh, and also we should probably mention: well, YouTube Music now has podcasts. Oh yeah. So if you sub- you if you subscribe that. to Wood Talk, yep. If you have the YouTube Music <laughs> app, you subscribe to Wood Talk. I do. Have you that. could seamlessly switch between the video version and then right. an audio. It was only so version. weird. So I'm like, how does it know where I was? This is yep. weird. It's really really good. So check that out if you're interested in that. All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody, and we will catch you next time. Podcast. Bye bye. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.